Hello, everyone, and welcome to Strictly JoJo, a podcast dedicated to JoJo's bizarre adventure. My name is Courtney. And Konokaruda. <laughs> this is episode 91, and we're reviewing part three, Stardust Crusaders, Death 13, part one. That's a lot of numbers. As always, there'll be spoilers for this episode and anything that's happened in the JoJo anime. We have to keep it quiet because the baby's sleeping. Which baby? <laughs> <laughs> Both babies. <laughs> <laughs> well, all I have to say is, Lali. <laughs> I'm terrible at that. I'm like nowhere near a voice actor, but I do love saying Lali. It's just so, so random and so addicting. I didn't realize until we rewatched this episode that he says it a lot more often than i remember <laughs> a lot yeah like he like the the stand is constantly saying lollyhoo and it's kind of like one of the few stands that has a catchphrase like that or few enemy stands that has a catchphrase wait is it lollyhoo or lolliho i mean the spelling is lolliho but the way that i think he, the japanese voice actor pronounces it is more like lollyhoo oh i think okay. <laughs> now i'm second guessing but potato potato before we jump into things, I do want to say a very special happy birthday to you. Oh my God. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. I think this episode comes out the week of my birthday. Yes, it does. Happy birthday. Um, I hope it is as bizarre as the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure that we go on <laughs> every other week on this podcast. But no, we've got some fun things planned for your birthday. Um, I think it's more of a chill birthday than it's yeah, been in past I'm years. I'm hoping it's not as bizarre as past birthdays have been. <laughs> but yeah, it'll be nice low key, which will be great considering how how bizarre our life is now as parents. So happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think once you're past 30 years old, none of the other ages seem like a, or none of the subsequent ages seem like a milestone until maybe 50. <laughs> until the fives and tens, 35, 40, 45, 50. Right. I don't even consider like 35 a milestone age, but yeah, I think it's just funny. The more you celebrate the your birthday the less significant it seems and especially now i think obviously like our, our kids birthday is going to take more of a priority in celebrating but yeah I'll, I'll still i'll still enjoy myself on my birthday and yeah i'm looking forward to to the more laid back plans that we have for this year this is the first time we're rewatching death 13 or the death 13 arc after becoming parents. So I want to ask right off the bat, how does that change your perspective? Um, I think at first I was annoyed by the, the Death 13 arc, but I'll, I'll admit like having a baby now, it's kind of interesting to see certain things in this episode and find it more relatable. But I also think in that same sense, it made me enjoy this setup episode even more. Is, is that the case for you as well? I mean, for me, my perspective changes because I see the way Polnareff attempts to change the baby's diaper and how appalled he is when the baby poops. 
um, and the way Joseph acts with the baby. And before I was like, oh, haha, that's funny. And now I'm like, oh, that's funny, but also like extremely relatable. Mm -hmm. It just feels very relatable all of a sudden. I've seen this episode so many times, all the times that I've rewatched JoJo. But this is the first time where I'm like, wow, Death 13 really hits home. Yeah. So <laughs> expect a lot of a lot of baby talk during this this episode discussion. I mean, it's one of the two babies in JoJo, right? Oh yeah, this one and then part four, right with the invisible baby. Yes. Wasn't there another one? Oh wait, no, the green baby. One of three. Okay, yeah. Now we have three babies. Yeah, but I, I think Death Thirteen or or Manish Boy is probably yeah. one of the more. I don't know. A toss up, like um, to toss up between who's more entertaining, Manish Boy or the Invisible Baby, because the Green Baby is like whatever. <laughs> I'd say Manish Boy, because the Invisible mm. baby, Invisible Baby is like a standard baby, not a genius baby like Manish yeah, Boy. So there's true. no dialogue, there's no scheming. It's just a baby who's running amok. If anything, Joseph, old Joseph, is more entertaining when it comes to the Invisible Baby than mm. the baby itself. Yeah, that's true. Plus, I think it's. It's the whimsy and the horror of Manish Boy's stand, Death 13 in this episode, and Manish Boy as the enemy stand user. It, they're just so fun to watch because for me, you'd never, ex I'm sure for everyone else too, you, like, you would never expect something so innocent as an infant to have an ounce of evil or hate in its soul until now. Hey, but that's the great thing about Araki. He can pull stands and enemy stand users out of anything. Like he can make anything a stand and a stand user. And I know Polnareff gets some great moments in this episode, but I think it's fitting for Kakuin to be the one that faces up against this unique stand user. And it's obviously his time to shine again. It hasn't been so in quite some time as he sort of goes through his... I guess his own version of Inception and is wrestling with both the real and the imaginary because I can't really see any other crusader being like the the goat or like the person that has to go up against the baby stand besides Kakyoin. Yeah, I agree. He's the straight man of the group. Um, he's the one who's always like keeping everybody in check and the most rational most of the time. And so for him to go up against something so absurd where he can't even remember what's going on and he feels like he's losing his mind, I think that's a very unique situation for him. Yeah, because I'm picturing Polnareff and Joseph would probably react to Baby Stan the same way. I mean, we see Polnareff in the dream. Um, and I think Jotaro would kind of just brush off the situation. But Kakyuin, like you said, is the one who... It has like the intellect to kind of question the situation, but then come up with a way to to fight it. All right, JoJo fans, get ready to have a sweet dream or a beautiful nightmare as we crusade into our synopsis and discussion for Part 3, Episode 19, Death 13, Part 1. Noriaki Kakyoin has a dream. But it's nothing like Giorno Giovanna's because this one is filled with a putrid Polnareff land, a sliced up dog, and a creepy clown in Grim Reaper cosplay. Polnareff awakens him from his slumber in the nick of time, but unfortunately Kukyuin cannot recall the dream long enough to write down in his dream diary. 
though a happenstance encounter with the deceased dog of his dreams drums up a dollop of deja vu. The Frenchman and the fatigued man link up with the Joestars as Josephu is forced to pilot their plane with a petite little passenger aboard. It's safe to say that he does not have as much baby fever as this baby's fever. With the cabin lights turned down, Kukyuin and Polnareff drift asleep only to find themselves once again in putrid Polnareff land, being tormented by the Grim Reaper Clown, aka their newest enemy stand, Death 13, and neither can stand to defend themselves against him. Though Josephu manages to smack Polnareff out of it, Kukyuin is still in the thick of it, and his involuntary sleep movements cause the geriatric Joestar to add one more good noodle star to his plane crash track record. As the Crusaders get ready to fire up their camping episode, Kukyuin notices that he has a new arm tattoo with the inscription, Baby Stand, which tips him off as a major clue in identifying their newest threat, because who knows how much more of this baby he'll be able to stand. And now on to our next segment of the show, is that a music and or tarot reference where we document any and all nods, homages, and tributes that this extraordinary anime makes to the ordinary world of music and not-so-ordinary world of tarot cards. So first we have the enemy stand user itself, the baby stand user, who goes by the name Manish Boy. This is a reference to Manish Boy, a 1955 blues standard written and performed by blues musician Muddy Waters. However, Manish Boy, the character, was not given a proper name in Part 3 until years later when it was officially documented in the art book Jojo a Go-Go. Fun fact is the song Manish Boy was recorded in Chicago back in 1955, so we have a little bit of a hometown connection there. And another fun fact, the Japanese VA for Manish Boy is Ikoe Otani. And if that name doesn't sound familiar to you, she is actually best known the world over for her performance as the voice of Pikachu. Oh, shit. What the fuck? Yeah. I guess if you listen closely, you can kind of hear the Pikachu in her voice. Or maybe like the next episode, uh, part two, we'll have to listen closely. And the second reference we have in this episode is for the enemy stand, Death 13, which is a tarot reference to Death, the 13th card, as you would have it, of the traditional tarot deck. There is some irony with a newborn being assigned a tarot card about the end of life. However, it is unlikely that this card signifies a physical death. Typically, it implies an end, possibly of a relationship or of an interest, implying an increased sense of self-awareness, which I think is demonstrated by Kakyoin once he realizes he's in this dreamscape. Other interpretations of death include endings, failure, letting go of attachments, mortality, profound change, and severe illness. And I think severe illness seems to be incorporated with the baby stand user or manish boy having a fever, while profound change might allude to the sudden changes in the dreamlike environment that Death 13 has created. Don't forget, it also represents... Killing dogs, because now it's time for the JoJo meme rundown. (laughs) We list each new JoJo meme that appeared in this episode, and there's, I guess, two. They're not like like memes in the the traditional sense of the word, 
But I think a Rocky killing pretty much almost every dog, except for the dog in part six, um, that's a meme. So the dog <laughs> dies. <laughs> so we're, keep, we're keeping that meme going, I guess. And the other meme is just baby Stan. It's just fucking baby Stan. That, that's it. That's the meme. Like uh, the inscription on Kakuin's arm? Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's baby Stan. <laughs> uh, it's kind of ironic that a, a dog gets killed in this episode when our pre-show for this episode was all about dogs. What well, er, dogs that aren't dying Uh, but that's just a plug for any of you who'd like to join our patreon where the pre-show is featured Uh, the link to join is in the description and as always if we missed any memes from this episode please reach out and let us know you could almost call lolly who i don't know if that's like a meme but definitely a, a jojo reference of sorts yeah, like the uh, one of the iconic JoJo quotes that everyone likes to scream when they can. This episode has one of my favorite starts um, of all of part three. It's just the episode starts off with Kakyoin waking up in an amusement park in his pajamas. And I just love the way like that cold opening happens. It It doesn't start with him like falling asleep and then entering the dream. He's just already in this situation. And it's not until he, Polnareff, wakes him up after that you realize what's going on or that he realizes what's going on to a certain degree because then he forgets he even had the dream. But yeah, I love that. For some reason, I just love the way that this episode starts off because it's like him in this darkness hearing a baby crying and then suddenly he's in the amusement park and then just like all hell breaks loose. I almost thought for a second that I was on the wrong episode, but then I realized like the baby crying, yeah, that's... That's a sign that this is a the death thirteen arc, but you know I guess it's it's kind of nice because it it breaks the mold from always having to see the Crusaders head to their next town. I mean, Joseph already says in the previous episode, uh, the Sun, that they're heading to a town called called Yarpline. So it's not like we need to see that happen. Uh, it's already implied after this scene that they've arrived at the airport where. Joseph's looking for the Cessna. Uh, so, yeah, this is a, a more unique opening for a Stardust Crusaders episode. So as we already discussed, Araki kills the dog. Um, you know, it's, it's sad. We don't have to linger on that. We have plenty of other dog deaths to talk about <laughs> in Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. But Polnareff wakes Kakyoin up from his nightmare of sorts and tells him to stop screaming like that girl from The Exorcist. I just love these random, like references to the time period to like like pop culture references of the time period um and then kakuin realizes that he has a cut on his hand from the dream which is an early hint as to how he'll eventually overcome this whole situation and then they step outside and we see that a poor dog was killed in real life and it belonged to some kid and i'm like damn Iraqi, adding insult to injury like you have to have this poor kid freaking out because his beloved dog is looking real bad like real bad because <laughs> we all saw how death 13 offed the dog so then we arrive to where joseph and i think jotaro are i think they got to the plane area first mm-hmm. Um, so then Polnareff and Kakyoin meet up with them and Joseph is arguing with the plane owner who tells him that they can't have the plane anymore because there's a baby who needs urgent care. And Joseph, interestingly, argues back with him and says they also have someone whose life is on the line, but then ultimately agrees to take the baby 
after the guy asks if he'd rather let the baby die. And then Joseph has this like very guilty look on his face and he's kind of second guessing everything. And I feel like this probably hits harder for Joseph than any of the other crusaders because Joseph is the only parent. He's the one that has a daughter and he's already mm. kind of a softy as it is. Um, but I think here it like really strikes a chord with him because he wouldn't let a baby die. I mean, we see how he is with the invisible baby in part four. He's willing to bleed out just to save that baby from drowning. <laughs> like he, he cares very much about the kids. Yeah, it's an interesting ethical dilemma for Joseph, like having to choose between a baby's life or his daughter's life. Uh, but obviously, this doesn't include the factor that the baby is a villain. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it's nice to see that even though this baby is, is not of his own family, because, you know, Joseph's all about family. Joseph's also just a great human at heart. Also, why does the pilot look like uh, Commander Shady's from AOT? Did you notice that? Shady? Shadis? <laughs> Keith, yeah, Keith Sh Shady's Shadis. Potato Sergeant. Potato Sergeant. <laughs> oh, I didn't even realize. I, like, barely remember what the the dude looks like. Not the AOT dude, the guy in JoJo. Yeah, there's a close-up shot where they kind of have the same sunken-in eyes and similar goatee. Um, and I don't know why that stuck out to me so much in this. In this it's part. the eyes. Those eyes, like, just yeah. a million miles back in their head. <laughs> so when they're on the Cessna, um, Polnareff tells Joseph not to worry um, about, like, an enemy stand user catching them as they're flying because... According to Polnareff, no stand can catch a plane flying hundreds of miles per hour. Little does he know that there are stands just like that. The two that come to mind are Notorious B.I.G. from Part 5. Because I want to say, I don't know if it like flew. Well, I don't know, maybe, maybe not Notorious B.I.G. Because it's on the landing strip when they're like going onto the plane. But they think they like, you know kill off that stand as they're you know right before they take off but then somehow the stand makes it onto the plane so maybe it snuck on before the plane took off i don't know but the other one is the okay i don't know the name of it the stand that one of the sons of dio uses that attacks jolene hermes and emporio when they're flying remember when emporio's flying uh... the plane somehow because he read enough books about it he just knows how to fly a fucking plane and then those like little like the little propeller thing. Yeah, start attacking them. Um, that's at least one solid example of a stand that can catch a plane flying hundreds of miles an hour. Oh fuck. That was I know it was Rikiel's stand. Um, but I can't recall the name. Hold on, I'm gonna look it up really quick because it's going to bother me otherwise. Sky high. Isn't that a Disney movie? Yeah, <laughs> uh, the the hero one, right? I think so. Um, that was basically like a precursor. Yeah, Sky High it was like a precursor to My Hero Academia. <laughs> <laughs> so those are the ones that I can remember. We might be forgetting other ones, but either way, that that proves at least Sky High proves that Polnareff is incorrect. But it's early days for stands, right? Like. This is back in the 80s. Like their their knowledge about stands is pretty limited to what they've encountered. But I'm sure Jotaro 
and Polnareff as time has gone on and the part, you know, Dojo parts have transpired that they've learned that pretty much anything and everything can be a stand or an, an enemy stand user. Which is why I think they're so dense here because uh, they they talk about ensuring that no enemy stands are on board, but then they let this baby on. And I know like a baby has that presumption of being innocent. So I, I can understand them looking over this fact, but it feels like it's it's cliche now that they always have this conversation about being wary that an enemy stand user is nearby when it's literally right in front of their very eyes. I think this one's tough though, cause it's kind of twofold. It's like one, do you risk allowing an innocent baby to die or be hurt just off the suspicion that it could be an enemy stand user? But two, it's also like, how do you prove that? Let's say the baby wasn't a genius and it was just like a straight up regular ass baby. <laughs> how mm -hmm. do you converse with it? How do you do, how do you get it to do something to confirm that it's an enemy stand user or even just a stand user in general. Because you think about Invisible Baby from part four, Joseph has a hard time. Well, I don't even know if the baby knows how to undo its invisibility mm -hmm. because it's so young. It's so new to everything. But also for a baby to manifest a stand, that's pretty impressive because it's like a, uh, a manifestation of your soul, your inner being. So, I mean... Star Platinum's fucking powerful because Jotaro's really powerful. So on a certain level, these babies must be pretty damn powerful to be able to manifest their stands already when Holly can't even handle her stand and it's attacking her. This gets me thinking, like, how the hell did Manish Boy get to be one of Dio's disciples? <laughs> uh, I don't think that's ever explained at any point during this arc. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, did it, like I'm sure Manish Boy had to have made himself known to some people that he's a genius baby. But yeah, I wonder how that all happened. So in the plane, Kakyoin and Polnareff both fall asleep and end up in the dream together. And I love this scene because Polnareff is as carefree as ever saying, it's a dream. Who cares? You can do whatever you want and then fucking manifest a bucket of popcorn and some ice cream that he starts eating next to the dead dog after lifting its <laughs> ear up to look at its wound. I'm like, he does not give a fuck. <laughs> Once he realizes that it's a dream, he's like, none of this shit is real. I'm good. I'm going to enjoy it all I want. Was it him who manifested the popcorn and ice cream or was that Death 13? I think it was. Well, he kind of seems surprised by it, but my assumption is like he kind of manifested it because like he's like, he literally said we can do whatever we want and then manifest those things. And he's like, ooh. Like, I, I'm guessing his surprise was probably because, oh, shit, it worked. And now I have ice cream. Then he starts eating it. And I love how pissed Kakyoin gets at Polnareff for being so naive. And Polnareff still doesn't believe him until Death 13 actually shows itself by, like, wiggling out of the dead dog's carcass. Yeah, which is why I like that Kakyoin is the focus of this Death 13 arc because we already see what would happen if Polnareff was was the main character for this he would just treat it so dismissively and then probably just end up in in a lot of shit like with the other episodes where he's been a main focus we also get confirmation that they're not able to summon their stands inside the dream as they both try to in order to attack death 13 and that then leads us into the eye catch for death 13 itself 
Which is an interesting one because the stand stats are for death 13, but they're all marked with question marks. So we don't know its abilities yet or the identity of the stand user because neither Kakyoin or Polnareff know the extent of the stand or the stand user's strength. Although with the enemy stand being clearly visible in this episode, we see that it takes some inspiration in its design from the Death Tarot card itself, which usually depicts a variation of the Grim Reaper. Although it's weird that it's kind of silhouetted in this eye catch because we, we've already seen it in the episode. Um, there is another horror film reference with the stand's abilities as we've always seen these horror film references in part three. Death 13's powers are similar to those of horror icon Freddy Krueger in that both can enter others' dreams and kill them there to kill them in the real world. And just because we've been saying Death 13's catchphrase so much this episode, let's talk about the origins of Lali Ho really quick. This is actually a reference to the original name of the sleep spell in the Dragon Quest game series. What the fuck? Really? Yeah. And this is interesting to note because a few months before Death 13's debut in the manga, Araki was among many Shonen Jump artists photographed in Dragon Quest cosplay to celebrate the game's fourth installment. So I think he just wanted to include... The Lalihu as an homage to Dragon Quest. Oh, I thought I just fucking made it up. <laughs> <laughs> so when we jump back into the episode, Polnareff escapes the dream when Joseph wakes him up to change the baby's diaper. And Death 13 explains to Kakyoin that even if they wake up, they'll never remember the dream anyway. So <laughs> this is another one of my favorite scenes from this episode and the one that's like extremely relatable for us now as new parents. We've got Paul Nareff who freaks out as he's trying to change the baby's diaper because the baby, he thinks the baby peed, but the baby ended up also pooping. And what's wild is they don't, okay, so let's talk about this for a second. At least in the Netflix version that we're watching or maybe like the... Crunchyroll. The Crunchyroll version. They censor a lot of moments of gore, including this dog that died in this episode. But when it comes to a little baby, a baby that shat itself, they straight up show everything, including the piece <laughs> of poo and its little wee wee. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? And like, that's not the first mm -hmm. time we've had that in anime, like a little like kids wee wee or whatever. I think <laughs> they're because <laughs> that's what it is. I don't know. I mean, pee -pee. <laughs> it's a little pee pee. <laughs> and, like that, that's it's whatever, right? Like it's a baby. Um, and in Japanese culture, like I'm sure they're more like that's more common or whatever. It's it's fine. It's just so interesting that like these moments of gore are what they choose to censor, but not like a straight up piece of poo and a little baby wee wee. <laughs> like is that is that just me or is that kind of like weird? No, it is weird, and I think I remember seeing this again uh what was it later in part three with mariah's best her her stand where it changes polnareff into a kid 
Oh, yeah, that's right. His little right. wee-wee's out, yeah. too. <laughs> so you just see that dangling everywhere. I don't know. Uh, Japanese censorship is, is kind of strange. Uh, but, yeah, I, I had that same question, too. Like, you have all of this gore, especially that of the dog being impaled and, and sliced open. But it just... It, it thinks that showing private parts on a an infant is fine, but but it is what it is. Um, this is where like watching this scene, uh, I had, it was I had a lot of comments. Like first, why are you asking Polnareff to change the baby's diaper? Yeah, of, of all, all people. Yeah, <laughs> like you could you could wake Kakuin up and then that'll snap him out of the dream. But no, you you have to ask the dumbest person on the plane. <laughs> um, and then the, the diaper itself, I. I, he says it's like oh he, he this is such a crappy diaper but i wish a a diaper looked that clean like knowing how babies are now right yeah well joseph says um because polnareff is like freaking out that there's poo in the diaper and joseph's like well he is a baby and that's why he wears diapers and polnareff Polnareff's like that's the reason why I had no idea what a vile <laughs> disgusting creature like wait what did you think the diapers were for this entire time Polnareff like you're in your 20s or something isn't he in like his late teens early 20s and I'm like this entire time your entire life you had no idea that babies shit in their diapers <laughs> what the fuck like this line and it's it's such like a nonchalant thing like Polnareff just kind of says it in his like overly disgusted way and they just move on but in my head i'm thinking like wait what you didn't know what diapers were for he didn't get the proper birds and the bees talk when he was growing up <laughs> and then polnareff like not only that he he attempts to wrap the diaper around the baby but he does it like a toga like one of the parts is over the baby's shoulder and then the entire time he's holding the baby upside down by his like legs and then he asks jotaro to help hold it like the diaper so that he can pin it and Jotaro's like okay like he just doesn't find anything odd about the way Polnareff is dangling a baby by his legs with his diaper everywhere because Jotaro also knows nothing about babies neither of them have had kids I'm guessing they probably haven't had a lot of exposure to, to babies so they're just like yeah sure whatever <laughs> it's just so funny <laughs> <laughs> yeah like watching this as a parent now it was just I, 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 it was like I couldn't believe what I was seeing, um, and it's a cloth diaper too. Right? Yeah. So that that makes it like doubly hard. It's not like you're just uh, putting the straps on and you're good to go. Uh, I would say this is an inaccurate depiction because holding a baby upside down like that would definitely wake them up. <laughs> I, I think Manish Boy is shown like sleeping through the whole thing, although. His eyes are open in a quick shot after this point. But does it not matter if he's not asleep for Death 13 to like take shape? Oh, that's a good question. That's yeah. a really good question because I'm trying to think now to all the times that they've shown us the baby during a dream sequence. And now I'm not entirely sure if he does need to be awake or asleep for his stand to be in effect. I figured it... He he'd have to be asleep because yeah like i think most of the scenes in this episode that show him or death 13 and kakuin in the dreamland like managed boy is is sleeping peacefully but there's this quick shot of him where his eyes are slightly open and looking at the other crusaders in the cockpit so i don't know 
Well, as Death 13 is going in for the killing strike in the drain, Kakyoin starts having basically like a night terror in the real world. He's flailing around and he kicks Joseph in the face, causing the plane to nosedive. And then Jotaro says, don't tell me we're going to crash. Probably because he's thinking back to when he said he doesn't want to get into a plane with Joseph because he's got, he's got a track record of plane crashes. He's probably like, are you fucking kidding me right now? <laughs> <laughs> he's not wrong. Although this feels like the longest plane crash ever. Since yeah. It's, it's uh, spliced in with scenes of Kakyoin in the dream. Um, but I was like, is this plane going to crash at any point? So... In the version of the subtitles that we saw, which was on Netflix, um, this is where I get really confused about Death 13. It, the, the translations for the subtitles say that Death 13 is telling Kakyoin to stop freaking out, otherwise the plane will crash, killing him and its user. And I'm thinking, so is it a sentient stand? But then shortly after, Kakyoin's like, uh, I think he says, like, your user is the baby. Again, meaning, like, Death 13 is a sentient stand. And um, he says, like, oh, I thought that you were only six months old. But then the stand says, I'm 11 months old and I'm a genius, even if I poop in my diapers. Which means, to me, it's now Death 13 um, or Banished Boy talking directly to Kakyoin through Death 13. So is it a sentient stand or is it? not a sentient stand it's just managed boy communicating through his stand as we sometimes see uh looking through the jojo wiki um in death 13's article under the personality section it says being an extension of managed boy's consciousness 13 reflects its users vulgar and sadistic personality okay so i would call that not a sentient stand so mm -hmm. maybe the translations were just off or maybe iraqi forgot for a hot second <laughs> that it's not a sentient stand so then Kakyoin thinks to himself that he has to find a way to let Jotaro and Joseph know about the baby. Um, again, this is based on the, the translations for the subtitles that we saw. But he doesn't say Polnareff, probably because Polnareff is clearly useless in this case because he pissed Kakyoin off so bad earlier when he was just aloof to the whole situation. So yeah, he specifically, at least in the translation, said Jotaro and Joseph. I need to let them know about the baby because Polnareff's not going to do shit. He's done with <laughs> Polnareff shit. <laughs> and back on the airplane, Joseph tells everyone to calm down and that panic isn't his isn't in his vocabulary. And I'm thinking, dude, I could count so many times that you have panicked over parts two and three. Yeah, wasn't it just a couple episodes ago with, uh, what the hell was Steely Dan stand? Lovers. Lovers, where he was panicking looking at the at lovers on the TV. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> one of his catchphrases for part three is, oh, no. Another one yeah. is, oh, my God. Oh, my which... God. Yeah, and the sun. He was, he yeah. was panicking, too. <laughs> we kind of go back and forth between the airplane and the dream. So back in the dream section, Death 13 explains to Kakyoin that nothing the victim does in the dream will wake them up because the stand controls every aspect of their mind when they're asleep. And then we jump back into the airplane and Joseph is using Hermit Purple to create uh, to control the plane from like the inside and avoid crashing. But I thought was what was really cool is you get the sound of Hamon, you get like mm -hmm. the Hamon waves and then Hermit Purple comes out as usual. That's pretty common for the way Joseph uses Hermit Purple. But the plane itself is enveloped in this like yellow aura, probably from the Hamon. And I'm yeah. like, that's kind of cool. 
I don't really know like how that all works because it's Hermit Purple really that's doing the controlling by, you know, probably going into the plane and grabbing a hold of whatever mechanical parts it needs to to get the plane back in back on track. But whatever. The plane's wrapped in Hamon. That that's cool to see. I love seeing those callbacks to part two. But then that palm tree just fucking appears out of nowhere. I know, and it's <laughs> it's funny because Joseph's like bragging to the Crusaders that his flying is pretty good as he gets to the plane level, and then he immediately crashes into a tree. And there's a pause, this really funny like pause, um, not like a slow-mo, but an actual pause to what's happening. Where we first hear Joseph's inner thoughts, and he's like, where the fuck did this tree come from? And then we immediately hear Jotaro, who's like, I fucking knew this was going to happen. <laughs> and this makes, what, four plane crashes for Joseph? I think so. One of them mentioned the... I mean, it was the last episode. Yeah, Jotaro but... said you've been in three crashes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this just felt like such a Looney Tunes moment. Yeah. Like, all the... All of the suspense and the tension with Death 13 until Joseph finally gets the plane under control and then just hits a, a random palm tree and then it just cuts to to them setting up camp. And after the crash, Joseph said that he's glad the baby is safe and he'd hate himself if anything happened. Again, this is very much like dad energy for Joseph. He cares. He cares a lot. Yeah, I know that he is um, diehard for his friends and family. He, it's the only time he really gets pissed is when his friends and family are being threatened. But he also has a lot of compassion for other people as well. I mean, we know this because of the way his relationship with Wamu unfolded at the mm -hmm. end. Like he mm -hmm. gave so much respect to Wamu in part two. So when it comes to a tiny little baby who's sick and needs help and is supposedly very innocent, of course, he's going to care very much about it. And I love how he acts like a, a grandpa with the baby. Kind of reminds you of how he acted with Holly all the way at the beginning of this part. Um, but yeah, just, just showing more of Joseph as, as as a great family man. I would have loved to see like an OVA or something where we saw Joseph, like a younger Joseph, like slightly after the events of part two when he has Holly and Holly's like either a baby or a young girl seeing Joseph being a dad. Like I'm sure he'd be like one of those really funny dads who like tries to, you know, play with his daughter um, in a way that's like probably not the safest or maybe a little like too rough for, for a young kid, but like he does it in an endearing way because he just wants to have fun with his kid. But you know what I mean? Like, you know that those memes where it's like the mom takes like really good care of the kid and is very gentle and careful and then the dad comes in and it's like wild with the kid. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's what Joseph would be. I would love to see snippets of Joseph being like a newer parent and trying to raise Holly. I think that'd be so fucking funny. I can picture him like using Hamon to play with her. Like, yeah. <laughs> very unsafe situations. <laughs> yeah. So then comes in baby stand as Kakyoin realizes that he's got a cut on his hand or really his arm. He pulls his sleeve back, sees baby stand, says, that's my handwriting. And I'm like, how can you write in your handwriting when you're digging into your skin with a knife? I, whatever, Jojo logic. Um, but he recognizes his own handwriting apparently. And then Polnareff. Ugly ass handwriting. Yeah. <laughs> and then Polnareff and Jotaro question whether Kakyoin is losing it and if he'll survive the rest of the trip. But I can't help but wonder how the Crusaders would have reacted if Kakyoin just told them everything since at this point 
they kind of realize a lot of different things can be enemy stands. Like, how different would this have played out if Kakyoin just went up to everyone and said, look, I feel like I'm losing it. I keep getting these terrible dreams, but I can't remember what I'm dreaming about. But look what's on my arm. I didn't cut myself, but how did this end up here? I think the baby might be an enemy stand user. Might be a wild thing for them to, for the Crusaders to like grasp, but I don't think they would completely dismiss it, right? Because they've been through a lot at this point. Is it totally, you know, out left field for the baby to be a stand user? Not entirely. And that's the case. I'm just thinking of this as the right scenario to to resolve this situation, <laughs> but then it wouldn't make for a very exciting JoJo's Bizarre Adventure episode. That's true. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Although I will say like Kakuin carving baby Stan on his arm was a pretty five head move to, to circumvent Death 13's control over the situation by saying oh if you wake up you're not going to remember anything well this is this is how you remember um just again great choice to have kakyoin as the star for this part um there's even a moment where manish boy through death 13 or maybe spanish boy back in the real world says um like shit i knew or i i've heard that kakyoin is the clever one of the group or the Mm -hmm. smart one of the group and so that that still holds true because you also have to think about the lovers and how Jotaro was so confident that Kakyoin would pull through because Kakyoin is very reliable and, and incredibly intelligent. Mm-hmm. He already knew without even having to talk to Kakyoin that he would be able to overcome the lovers. Well, then he just picks up the baby like a bully. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I can see like seeing that where like Jotaro and Palmer start to think that or everyone just starts to think that Kakuin might be losing his mind. Um, I don't know, like thinking back to the beginning of this episode where he's like screaming um, in his sleep and then the same thing happens on the plane. I can see from the Crusader's perspective that, okay, like maybe Kakuin, like the trip has been, it's been a long journey for him. And so maybe he just, he just can't handle the heat anymore. Uh, but... Obviously, that's not the case once this part comes to its conclusion in the next episode. And that brings us to our final thoughts for Part 3, Episode 19, Death 13, Part 1. So, did this episode have you kicking and screaming? It had me laughing. I love this episode. I forgot how good Death 13 is. Like, I, I know Baby Stan is a meme, and I was looking forward to that and everything. And I'm also looking forward to, like, the poop stuff in the next episode because I have toilet, I have, I have strong toilet humor. Um, but as an overall, like, first half of this arc, it's really funny. It's really clever. It's really interesting. Um, and I mean, it's this has got to be like one of the most OP stands when you think about it. The only reason that Manish Boy had a downfall in this is because Kakyoin was smart enough to write something on his arm. If Manish Boy just had killed him off faster, he would have been successful in, in taking out Kakyoin and would probably be able to take out the Crusaders just as easily because they can't bring their stands into the um the carnival or the dream world or whatever there's more to it right like we'll see in the next episode but i think it's it's just interesting how really powerful death 13 can be and how much of a vulnerable place it can put its enemies 
Um, and I just think that that makes this enemy stand user very interesting. Um, and then it makes Kakyoin's overcoming of that that situation even more impressive. Plus, it's just there's so much nonsense in this, especially being a new parent. Just watching this again, it you, you see it in kind of a not a whole new light, but like a slightly different light. And I, I'm noticing things more strongly than I did before. So, yeah, I just love how stupid Polnareff is in this. What about you? I really liked this setup episode. I think it feels more evenly paced than the recent part one episodes we've seen thus far. I mean, like part one meaning like part one of an arc, not part one, like part one of Jojo. Um, but like, I just think it's it feels more evenly paced since events surrounding the baby stand happen in a sequential and intentional order rather than feeling dragged out for runtime's sake. And yeah, maybe it's because fatherhood has made me a changed man, but I find Manish Boy to be a fascinating antagonist for the group, not just because he's the youngest of Dio's recruits, but also because of his vastly underestimated intelligence and utilization of a stand that makes sense for a child to have because it's one centered around imagination and wonder, albeit corrupted by his evil intentions. And hearing you talk about how you think that uh, Manish Boy Stand Death 13 is a considerably powerful stand, it's kind of like a, a really lethal sleep paralysis demon, if you think about it. Yeah, there's that meme too where it's like me begging my sleep paralysis demon to be my stand. <laughs> <laughs> well, that came true for, for Manish Boy. Uh, and yeah, I think Kakyoin, as I've said many times in this episode, he's just the perfect foil for Manish Boy in that he's one of the more intellectual members of the Crusaders. Plus, he hasn't been in the spotlight for a while, so this is an opportune time for us as an audience to reconnect with him. I think it is starting to get kind of redundant that the Crusaders can't identify enemy stand users when they're literally breathing right in their face. But with how entertaining of an episode this part one turned out to be, I can't help but get over the cliche, and I just look forward to seeing Kakuin take care of this baby in part two. And I mean really take care of this baby in the worst way possible. Yeah, I can't wait for that in the next episode. It's like horrible but hilarious at the same time. Yeah, Death 13 is turning out to be, looking at it from a reviewing it on a podcast perspective, looking at it more objectively, it's it's turning out to be a really good arc. So I can't wait to talk about the second half of Death 13 and how it all unfolds and what the ultimate fate is for Manish Boy. But until then, thank you guys as always for tuning in and supporting the podcast. Subscribe to Strictly JoJo on your favorite podcast service. Join our Discord to chat with us. Follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series, on Twitter at Strictly Series, and check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com. If you'd like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash thestrictlyseries and tune into Strictly Anime, our other podcast for anime reviews and discussions. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. To be continued.